Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Murder and Misery, our true crime podcast. We are your hosts, my name is Heather, and I know absolutely nothing about true crime. And my name is Jillian, and I consider myself somewhat of a true crime expert. Yes, Jill is our resident true crime expert. And we created this podcast so that Jill could teach me about all things true crime, both locally and nationally, and to take you guys along for the journey, so that if you too know nothing about true crime, you can learn something. Or maybe hear another perspective about stories you already know. Okay, so today's episode was actually requested by one of our listeners, Bailey. And today is Miss Bailey's 21st birthday. Or it is at the time of the recording. Um, probably won't be when she listens to it. But anyway, happy birthday, Bailey. And thank you for requesting this story. Happy birthday, Bailey. So let's jump right into the story of Colleen Stan. Before we start, I do want to say that this story contains mention of graphic sexual violence and some captivity. I didn't really know how to word that, but like there's some gross stuff going on in here. So um, listener discretion is advised. Bailey, I don't like your case. (laughs) Continue on. (laughs) She did pick a doozy. So uh, this story takes place in Eugene, Oregon on May 19th of 1977. This was when Colleen Stan, who was just 20 years old, decided to go hitchhiking to her friend's birthday party. This was not the first time that Colleen had been hitchhiking, like we talked about in Mary Vincent's episode. It was not uncommon to do back then. It is said that Colleen was very cautious when she did hitchhike, and she actually had turned down two cars prior to the one that she took. I know one of the cars that she had passed up was a group of young men, which is red flags. However, The people who she accepted a ride from happened to be a couple that had a baby in the car with them, so she thought that this would be a safe option for her. I would assume as well. Unfortunately, it was not. Yeah, clearly that was wrong, but I would also feel safe. Right. Um, Not that I, I mean, not overly safe. I probably wouldn't get in the car, but if I were given three options, (laughs) I would probably choose the one of the couple with the baby. Definitely. Um, So she did get in the car with them. And they were driving for about a half an hour when the driver, Cameron Hooker, pulled onto a dirt road saying they wanted to sightsee something. And he instead pulled out a knife, put it to Colleen's throat, proceeded to gag and bound her, and then took her back to their home. I say there because, yes, this person was married and, yes, his wife was there. Anyways, so when they got back to their home, he stripped Colleen hung her from the rafters in their basement by her arms, whipped her. He had also had sexual relations with his wife while Colleen was in their room, blindfolded. And unfortunately, this was Colleen's life for the next seven years. Seven years? Seven years. First seven years. Hold on. I am so confused. They hung her from the rafters of their floor by her arms? Yeah, in the basement, like the rafters from the ceiling. I understand, but like, just dangling? For the most part. Well, that was when they first got her. Um, Did they? That sounds sounds bad. But when they first like took her. When they first took her, but that was a portion of her life. But we go a little bit more into detail of like other ways they held her captive. Um, that wasn't, that was, I think, like, one of three ways. I am just confused. I don't understand how you just decide to do that. Right. These people are severely messed up. So, um, 
she was held hostage, tied to the ceiling rafters by her wrist, sometimes left like that for days. Um, sometimes she had a 20-pound wooden box around her head that blocked out her to society. I don't even want to say that this is what's more messed up because all of this is messed up, but other times they would force Colleen into a wooden box that was under their bed, um, the bed that Cameron shared with his wife, um, and she would be held there, bound, and tortured for 23 hours a day sometimes. Cameron even built a device that was solely for torturing Colleen. This included a body stretcher that permanently damaged Colleen's body. Occasionally, Colleen would be let out. Unfortunately, this was only to be tortured and raped or forced to do chores for the couple. Cameron made various threats to Colleen, like threatening to cut out her vocal cords if she tried to scream. He also assured her that even if she attempted to escape, not only would he harm her, but he would harm her family. Cameron tried to say things like there was some crime gang called The Company that was watching Colleen at all times and that they would be the ones to hurt her family if she did something wrong. Did did his wife... What was her role in this? Um, was she, it mainly him? It was mainly him, but you, I don't think anyone can say that. She did nothing wrong when she let this go on in her 100%. House. Uh, 100%. Um, did they not work? Oh, I I think they both definitely had jobs, but she would be tied up for most of the day when they were gone. No, I I understand that. But you had said, like, she was tortured for, like, 23 hours a day sometimes. That's, like, a... That's literally the whole day, almost. Well, I feel like when when they They said tortured... They just go extra hard on the weekends? I'm confused. No, I feel like that is, like, well, being held in a box (laughs) or being hung from the rafters. I feel like that... That played to me a part. Is twenty four hours a day. Well, you I think they mean? would let her out, go to the back. I don't know. I, I, I know that this they... is the most insane story I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, like I thought the Turpin family was gonna like take the cake. This is crazy. Good job, Bailey. Bailey, you're scaring me. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but yeah, I've never heard of this. I I hadn't either until she requested it. Bailey, where do you get your news? Um, I think that there was some sort of documentary on it. I didn't watch it, but when I was looking it up, uh, but yeah. Spooky. So. So these people were watching her, so she had to be good, I guess. Right. Which of, of course these people did not exist, but he always said that they would be there watching and if she did anything wrong or tried to run, they would know. Um, of course, this is absolute mental torture, along with the physical torture that was her being starved, whipped, and even burned. She was also made to sign a contract about being a slave. This contract said that she was to do anything that she was told to. This in part literally made me sick, but sometimes she was forced to look after Cameron and his wife's children, uh, which meant there was also children in the house when this was happening, their neighbors actually thought that uh, Colleen was like a live-in nanny of some sorts. Uh, so in 1978, Janice, Cameron's wife, actually gave birth to their second child on their bed while Colleen was underneath the bed locked in a box. Like I said before, this is a mental torture and Colleen was brainwashed, but eventually she did get some freedom, if you could even call it that. In March of 1981, Colleen was allowed to visit her family by herself for approximately 24 hours. I am 
I am so confused. Okay, keep going. So, <laughs> so sorry. No, you're fine. This is, there's just so much going on. Uh, keep in mind, she was under the impression while doing this that these people called the company were would her. be watching, right? right. So, um, in the fear that they would did hurt her. Did she tell them? No. What did she say? I'm sorry I've been gone for the past seven years? Well, I think she had been able to see them, like, occasionally, like, with Cameron. But this was the first time that she had, like, been able to go, like, by herself. Yeah. But I don't even... I mean, obviously she was by herself, but I feel like you can't even say she was by herself because she thought these people were watching her. Yeah. So she didn't do anything. And in May of 1984, she was able to get a job. She started working at a hotel nearby as a housekeeper and eventually was able to even go on walks or jogs by herself. Again, by herself, meaning without Cameron or his wife, but again, still under the belief that the company was watching her every move. Michelle Galetta, who works at John Jay College of Criminal Justice as a professor of psychology, said in an interview that Colleen's belief in the company makes sense when taken into larger context of her kidnapping, she said it sounds a little unbelievable, but ask yourself, is it not the fact that she's kept in a box under a bed completely wildly unbelievable? If everything that you've ever thought in terms of predictability and safety is taken away, what is left of the psyche? This is not a one-time rape or a one-time attack. This was persuasive for years. Yeah. As far as her not escaping, I think it's pretty understandable when you look at the bigger picture I mean, none of us could even fathom ever being in her situation. I don't know what I would do. Neighbors didn't know about Colleen, but like I said before, they thought she was a family helper because on the outside, that's what it did look like to everybody. As far as Janice's role, Janice is Cameron's wife again. Okay. Everybody's saying it's complicated, and I don't think it is. Anyway, she married Cameron in 1975 and allowed him to have a slave to torture. But, you know, she did put her foot down and Janice made one condition. You know, you could have a slave and torture, whatever, kidnap somebody. That's totally fine. But she said that she made Cameron only agree to having sexual relations with her, meaning with Janice, his wife, which also doesn't make sense because Cameron raped Colleen. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure if... I'm sorry, but it's also not okay to have a slave. Oh, yeah, totally not. But that part didn't make sense to me, and I don't know if, like, He if, must have been lying. I don't know if he was lying and hiding that f from her, or if it just, like, had changed somewhere. I don't know, but people trying to think that Janice is, like, some sort of victim in this, I don't know how I feel about that. But it did take a turning point in 1984. This was when Cameron told everybody that he wanted to make Colleen a second wife and go kidnap another woman, or in his words... Bring more female slaves into the house. The house with children in it. But um, I guess this was the point where Janice put her foot down. Because then Janice went to her pastor. Which makes me sick. But anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, her pastor, she basically told the pastor everything. And then the pastor told Janice that she needed to leave the marriage. You would think the pastor may call the police or something. But as far as I see, he didn't. He just told her to leave the marriage. So this was when Janice went to the motel that Colleen worked at and let her know that the company wasn't real or said that she wasn't a part of it. It's different sources saying different things. Um, I'm not sure exactly, but just it was like, 
I'm not sure if she just straight up went to her and was like, hey, this was all made up, or if she's like, oh, I don't work for them, so I can help you. I'm not sure. Either way, she told Colleen that she could escape and that there wouldn't be anything done to her family if she did. This is when Colleen called Cameron from a local bus stop and announced that she was leaving. And apparently, Why would you do that? Well, we do have to see it from, I'm sure she was like, had some sort of, not Munchausen, uh, Berlin. What? what is it called? Stockholm. Stockholm. You every single time. time with her doing that. Berkholm. Uh, it's because every time I say Birkenstock, right. <laughs> so you can remember. I, I'm sure she now obviously was now suffering. it's transferred from Stockholm to Berkholm. Berkholm the syndrome. First part of my Birkenstocks. <laughs> okay, but I feel like I understand that, and I understand that like there is like a true connection that like we can't understand because like we see it from the outside and it's scary it's not like something that you want to be emotionally attached to but I feel like if you're trying to escape like if his wife has come and said I'm gonna help you escape you don't then say okay see you later like you just go right well this gives him time to make sure you don't escape exactly which I did think was weird um also it said that he literally started crying on the phone I'm sure he did. She ran his life. She, like, helped him with his whole life. And yeah. satisfied some disgusting part of his brain. Right. What is even more disgusting is that Colleen decided against calling the police and reporting what happened because Janice basically begged her not to. And she said that she could fix Cameron. No. Yep. I don't think. Girls always think they can fix a guy, and you just can't. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think if you have to fix somebody, then it's red flag. But I think it'd be easier to fix somebody, like, if your boyfriend, like, I don't know, was Snapchatting another girl, it might be a little easier to fix that versus... I still don't think you're going to fix it. Well, no. I think (laughs) 99% of the time, they so sorry to call them out, but I feel like they're pretty set in their ways. But, like, when it's, like, kidnapping, I don't think... You're not going to fix that. No. Like, he's literally... Like, jail. Twisted in the head. Right. But but luckily, um, you know, it, I guess, didn't work out in her favor. Or what I think happened, because I think she's a, a psychopath, is I think he maybe, like, made her mad or something. And then she was like, okay, well, I'm leaving. I'm calling the police. Because it sounded like that she did try to go Janice? back. Mm-hmm. Is it Janice? Yeah, the wife. It sounded like she did try to go back into to the relationship and keep their marriage happy. But then decided to leave and was like, well, I'm leaving and I'm also calling the police because you're literally a psychopath and you kidnap and torture people for funsies. Yeah. This is the most bizarre story I've ever heard. Right. Uh, This is the part where I do agree with uh, Michelle, that psychological professor. Mm -hmm. Uh, She thinks that she was a collaborator and basically called Janice everything aside from a a sociopath. Oh, 100%. You literally... Could you imagine... Having, how old was, how old was Colleen? She was 20 when they kidnapped her. Okay, so she's not a child, but she's almost a child. Could, but could you imagine having anyone locked in a box under your bed? Right. Could you imagine having sexual relations with somebody in your basement while someone's dangling from their arms? Right. And, no! And, like, I just want to know, like, this... You, you would never! No. You could never even... Or even Jill if had was... a bad dream about a zombie and she was ready to... Like, leave her house. Could you imagine if you came home and there's a girl strapped to your ceiling? Well, not even just that. She literally got in a car with her husband when her husband was like, oh, we're going to go kidnap a hitchhiker. 
Like, hell. Yeah, she, and she said, it's okay if you kidnap somebody and you turn them into your slave. You just can't have sex with them. Right, but if you want to marry him or her, if you want to marry one of them, that's crossing the line. And that's when I'm just going to be like, mm, nope. So it makes me wonder if he didn't say that and he kept up this charade of just, you know, having her as a slave. 100%. If she would have just never said anything about it. I think because it was said that Janice was very jealous of Colleen. But it's just like that being jealous of somebody should not be your motivator to Report not let them get kidnapped. Psycho. Exactly. So uh, she, I think she has a big role to play in this. Because I just, she told him that it was okay. Right. And like she knew about it the entire time and participated, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Well, even, honestly, even just being there and not doing anything about it, I think is participating. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But I'm saying, like, I'm 100% sure that she even went one step further to probably. boss her around, to take care oh, of yeah. the kids, you know? She probably helped tie her up at some point. You it's, know what I mean? Speaking of the kids, like, I I want to know cannot, who they are and I if they're okay. I couldn't find anything about that. I'm sure that. they're not. I can't imagine that you could be. Right, but that just disgusts me. But, yeah. um... Professor said, quote, these are not psychological questions, they are moral questions. Mm -hmm. You do not get the impression from any data that she has a lot of psychopathic traits, more that she was so locked in that she ceases to have an independent thought. Three months later from Colleen's escape, when Janice did decide to report Cameron, she said she had second thoughts and even helped him destroy some of the evidence that would convict him. However, she ended up testifying against Cameron in exchange for her immunity. So she faces no repercussions, but Colleen testified in court also. And so between Janice and Colleen's testimony and the remaining evidence uh, that hadn't been destroyed by good old Janice and Cameron or whatever his name is, which some of the remaining evidence included the master-slave contract that they made Colleen sign uh, Cameron was convicted of kidnapping, using a knife, and an abduction, rape, and sexual abuse. Uh, this took place on October 31st of 1985, and on November 22nd of 1985, Cameron Hooker was sentenced to 104 years in prison, and the judge at the time even said that Cameron was, quote, the most dangerous psychopath that he had ever dealt with who will be a danger to women as long as he is alive. I agree. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, due to COVID, he had a trial on October of 2021, and prosecutors are taking his case to civil court, trying to get him put in a mental health facility as a sexual violent predator instead of in a prison. What does that have to do with COVID? Well, when COVID happened, they did a lot of retrials because they were at like max capacities or something. Keep him there. Uh, yeah. Actually, he doesn't need a retrial. We, no. We're confident he's he needs to be in jail. Right. How do you get, like, 100, 104 years and then, like, just kidding, after, I don't know, like, 30? It's not even half your sentence. Let him I run. wonder if, like, Janice was also kidnapped. I don't know. Or, like, brainwashed into this relationship. I'm sure she was brainwashed to some point, but at the same time, like, she, when she did this, she never said anything about herself. It was like... I know, but maybe Colleen wouldn't have either. You know what I mean? True. I don't know. I mean, it kind of... Colleen was there for years. It kind of makes sense if she was that 
he was trying to also wed Colleen. But still, I I mean, obviously she got issues. So right. I get I'm that. I'm just curious because I just, I would simply die if Darian said, well, let's kidnap somebody. Actually, I take all of that back. Because I remember reading that when they got married, Cameron had these freaky kinks we don't kink shame here, but we do when it involves kidnapping people. Um, he had these freaky deaky kinks, and that's why she let him get a slave because he because she didn't want to participate. So he she let him go out of the marriage to fulfill his kinks. Okay. So I, I, I feel like I mean who knows how their marriage started, but like I know it wasn't that situation. Okay. Um, it was just a thought. No, it's a good thought. I still think, I obviously she she's so crazy that I can't. It doesn't make sense in my brain that somebody would be like, "Yeah, I want to mate with that person." Right. Let's Which, produce offspring together. You're a psycho. I'm wondering if when I started, if he didn't let her know about these or what, because if you are dating somebody and they're like, "Hey, I'm into torture and like rape, play, and stuff like that." Um, I would say goodbye. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know if she maybe knew that going into the marriage and was like, hmm, not for me. Or if it was one of those things where like later on in the marriage, like he, he her. let her know and she's like not into it. I don't know. This is, this is nuts. Yeah. So, um, blah, 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 mental health facility. Uh, so it said that this whole process, whole process will take a while and is expected to begin in 2022, but I have not found anything more recent than that. So, as far as I am aware, he is still serving his sentence in the California Substance Abuse Treatment Facility in state prison in Corcoran, uh, Cor- Corcoran, Corcoran, I think is how you say it. Corcoran? It's spelled C-O-R-C-O-R-C-A-N. Corcoran? No, is that a real place? I don't know. I can't even understand what you're saying to me. Corcoran. Corcoran doesn't sound like a real place to me. It sounds like a a room in Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Corcoran. It's a real place in California. Yeah. So he's. I can't imagine it's pronounced Corcoran, but it could be. But like, it just doesn't make sense in my brain. I feel like it's like chocolate toucans or something. Watch him be And the like, Willy Wonka factory. Oh, hang on. I mean, that would be kind of fun. Cochrane. Cochrane? There's no way. Hang on. That would be kind of fun. Like, if you're on the phone with somebody and they ask you what your address is, you're like, oh, I live on to, who knows, the street in Corkorkan, California. <laughs> CA. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry if you're from this town and we're either butchering the name or we're making fun of it i apologize maybe legacy knows how to say it maybe pronounce it could be right it just is a funny name if it is pronunciation we're gonna we're gonna corcoran 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 <laughs> we are so sorry to anyone that may be listening that lives there or near there or your ancestors are from there. I don't know, but 
I feel oh, I feel like it would so like make somebody mad because it irks my inner Lincoln Countyan when somebody says uh Moscow Mills instead of Moscow. But like Moscow? Mos- Moscow Mills. And I'm just like Moscow. Moscow. But like Moscow. It does not bother me. Uh, I don't know. Couldn't care less. It, and uh <laughs> Missouri. People from Missouri say Missouri. I don't know. You it, can't be mad. They're literally from here. It itches. It it not itches. What is that? It irks. Irks a certain place. I don't know. Like I would never say anything to somebody, but like when I hear it, I'm just like, you know. Oh. I don't know. It also doesn't bother me. They're from here. They can say what they want. I don't. I mean, I I guess there is people from here that say it like that. And um, like Southern Missouri says Missouri. Is my understanding. I think they also say pop, too. I don't think so. I think pop is like a northern thing. Every no, Iowa, pop Nebraska. Pop is a southern thing. No. In the south, they call it Coke. Doesn't matter what kind of soda you're drinking, it's a Coke. It's my grandma. My grandma would say, do you want a Coke? And I would say, sure. And she'd say, what kind do you want? It's and Tennessee, I would be confused. not southern? No, Tennessee is. See, I only know this because... There we might got be places to, in Tennessee that say pop. I'm not sure, but I like the South calls soda Coke, and then like in the North they call it pop. Let's look up a distribution map. When um, while she's googling that, fun story. When I went to school, one of our uh, pastors he actually was from Tennessee, and so he had all his kids go to the school, and when. They went there, they would always say pop, and we're like, they'd be like, you're going to refill the pop machine? And um, we're like... 90 to 100% of people in Tennessee say Coke. Oh. According to this map. But our principal got so fed up with everyone arguing that he literally called Coca-Cola, like called the company, and had like the company settle it for the entire school. Okay. I know, I know you audio listeners cannot see this map. The blue people say pop. The yellow people say coke, or the yellow people say soda. The red people say coke. So, like, we're in the minority of space. Who yellow says soda? Mm-hmm. Are we? Are we <laughs> from Corcoran now? Corcoran. It's the northeast, um, St. Louis area, basically, like a probably a two-hour radius around St. Louis, and then ne- a little bit of Nevada. Most of Arizona and then most of California say soda. And then, like, the Midwest and, like, the Northwest all say pop. And then the South, like, Texas, all the way to South Carolina say Coke. Well, if anyone... That was a very rough explanation of this map, but I'm just trying to give you some kind of idea. But there's very little yellow on this map, so there's very few people that say soda. That actually surprises me. But according to Coca-Cola... Well, you live here. Right. <laughs> well, according to the Coca-Cola company itself, the correct term is soda pop. I, so. I think I've actually had that conversation with somebody from Iowa before. They say like, we're both right. It's soda pop. We call it soda. You call it pop. Yeah. Well, they did say that soda was more of a correct term than pop, which we took as a W for the school. <laughs> but it made the it made the Tennessee people upset. Which, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. We are literally, I guess, outliers in that whole debacle. Which yeah. I didn't even. I thought it was just the soda versus pop 
argument, but now it's the soda versus pop versus Coke argument. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have to call back Coca-Cola to put an end to it. <laughs> Which one is it? Coke would be like, nah, it's Coke. <laughs> yeah, just stick with that. Well, we didn't give him that option. Free marketing for Coca-Cola. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, yeah. see, look, you learn something new every Coca-Cola day. Coca-Cola soda pop is the correct term. <laughs> we went on, we went so off. I know. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I don't no. even know how we got here. You're fine. <laughs> We're just, we apologize to the Californians again. Oh. For saying Corcoran. 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 Oh, Corcoran. But it's Corcoran or something like that. Cork- okay, so he's in state prison in Corcoran. And from what everyone else says, he doesn't have any remorse and he doesn't care about what he did. He should not be able to leave then. Right. Nor is he trying to improve himself or understand that what he did was wrong. The whole point of being able to get out of prison to go to one of those like mental institutions is to like do the work, take the classes, put in the effort to truly improve your mental state. Right. And if he's not interested... I don't even understand why he. they would even say that he qualifies. Right. And he also isn't trying to rehabilitate himself because he says he just doesn't care. So. He deserves to stay there then. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think that's true of everybody all the time, but if he thinks he did nothing wrong, he's a danger to all the other young women out there. Right. And it's not even like the Golden State Killer who was like, oh, I have like a you know, yeah, yeah, persona yeah. Jerry. or, or like Dexter name? that's like, huh, Jerry, yeah. Jerry was his alter ego. Right. That murdered and raped people. Yeah. And like Dexter had like his dark passenger, like this, this guy is just like, nope, here I am. My name's Cameron. I am a horrible person and I don't care. So. That's wild. Right. But, but as for Colleen, um, once she was back home, she decided to go to school and got an accounting degree and she is now married and has a daughter. She works with an organization that helps abused women, and she's done her best to move on from this horrific situation. She said on October 10th, which was the day that she escaped from her hell, she took her family to the beach to celebrate with a party. She also became an author and wrote a book in 2009 called, quote, The Simple Gifts of Life. Her major life lesson to everyone is don't hitchhike, which I think is very good advice. That's kind of funny, actually. Yeah. So that was the kidnapping and the escape of Miss Colleen Stan. So thank you, Bailey, for recommending that whirlwind. Bailey, that was a crazy story that I've literally never heard of. I don't know that I would have ever heard of that if you hadn't brought it up. I hadn't heard of it either, honestly. That's pretty remarkable, I feel like. I think that it's called like the girl girl in the box or something. It's the documentary. Yeah, or maybe it was like an episode. I don't know. I think that's what they were calling her, girl. And that is the that is the craziest story. Like all these stories are crazy, but that one is nuts. And I like I can't even blame Colleen for getting in the car because if I were given those three options, you know, well I don't know what the second option was, but I know one of them was a a car full of young men. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't have gotten there, right? You know. Mm-hmm. And, like, she specifically was trying to be careful. She was trying to make sure that she was going to be safe. Like, I would have picked that car, too. Right. Uh, it is a, a documentary, and it's on Amazon Prime, two hours long. It actually looks pretty good. I totally agree. Because, I mean, but I guess it just goes to show that 
no matter how careful you can be, you just never know strangers' intentions, which is really mm-hmm. scary. It is so scary. Yeah, those those people are nuts. Mm-hmm. And I worry about her, their kids. And... I hope that she got... I didn't see anything, but I hope they she got the custody taken away. I hope that they're somewhere safe. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say I hope she got custody, and I was going to be like... Uh, not that I don't want her to have her children. Please don't take this the wrong way, but... I'm not sure that she's less crazy than he is. Mm-mm. Like, if she got the help that she needed, sure. But if she didn't, they might need somebody else. And let's not forget the fact that literally the only reason she was not charged with anything was... Because she snitched. Is because she snitched and she was the... Really, because Colleen didn't come forward, she was the only thing the case had to stand on. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I don't know. I didn't read anything else about her life. Um... You know, I hope that she was mentally ill and got help, but if she didn't, I think she deserves nothing. So, just like him. They seem to be a good match, actually. You have very strong opinions. <laughs> well, I just like... Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I'm just the type of person who tries to see the other side, and like, she was not a good person. I'm not saying that she was, and I'm not saying that she did not participate, because she clearly did. She could have said something at any point in time, and she sure as heck should not have said... Yeah, it's okay if you get a slave as long as you don't have sex with him. And then proceed to let him have sex with her. All of that is wrong. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. But, like, she was in that crazy situation, too. Like, she's not the victim in the situation, but she's also not, like, the worst person in the situation. Right. Well, I'm sure that he harmed and brainwashed her as well. Yeah. And we just don't know about as much. I, I like to try and put myself in other people's shoes in a literal sense, which not only, which I know a lot of people would, like, try to put themselves in, like, Colleen's situation, which I also like to look from that perspective, but, like, even, like, being in Janice's situation, like, from her perspective, I just, I'm sorry, but, like, if you have, like, the freedom to go out and do things and your breaking point is literally because he wanted to marry someone else, like, I, I, for one, I understand that there are situations where if she felt like she was harmed or something like that, or if she was being held captive or something like that, I get. But, like, she was in her right state of mind to know that she was pissed off when he wanted to marry her, but not in the right state of mind when he wanted to kidnap her in the first place. I don't know. Which, I don't know. You know, it didn't say too much about her afterlife of this whole situation. It just, I I can't imagine Ian being like, Hey, so, like, I'm into some stuff. I want to go kidnap somebody and torture them and hold them captive. Like, yeah. You know? And that's I've, why I'm saying, I like, I think she has mental health problems, too. Yeah. And if she took the time and, like, did the work to improve her mental health, I think that she should have a chance to have her kids. That's all I'm saying. Right. I just hope that they at least did something to ensure their safety. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree with that. Right. And I think they probably need some other people in their lives that are more grounded than she is right personally <laughs> like that's just the craziest thing ever you know could you imagine like, growing up i'm so sorry i'm not trying to make light of the situation or joke but like could you imagine you're like you, the baby i don't know how old the i guess the oldest the oldest child would have been pretty old because it was a baby in the car yeah over seven so like you just grew up your whole life with this girl and then when you're seven, you don't really understand what's going on, probably. But then when you get to high school, people would be like, oh, my God, you're the kid whose parents did blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah. what a terrible experience. And I would hope that they would. And the baby like, that, I, that 
she had later. Like, could you just, I just can't even imagine being told something like that. Like, your parents did X, Y, and Z. Oh, I feel like even if they had... Or the girl that you loved, your nanny, was actually... A victim. A prisoner. Which I do wonder if she has... If they're not in uh, Janice's care, I wonder if she has any... Because she grew up with them for seven years. Right. So I wonder if she has any contact with them still. But like you were saying... like would probably be traumatic for her, but I'm not sure. Right. And also for the kids, but like... Even if they had no idea, like, when all of that was happening, like, I can't imagine, like, the PTSD that they probably have after yeah. finding out. And severe embarrassment. Oh, yeah, but I'm sure they've changed their names, you know. No, I still, I mean, they were there at the time, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I, I mean. It's not their fault. No. But I could imagine that if you found out, you would be, you would be like, oh, my God, my family is crazy. They did all this crazy stuff. Yeah, or even, like. I don't, I don't really know. I just imagine that, like, obviously it wasn't a seven-year-old's fault by, by any means. That's not what I'm saying. But I think you, like, as you get older, you would be, like, ashamed that you were there or ashamed that your parents did that or whatever. Or feel, you feel like guilt. Yeah. Yeah. Just as you get older. And it, it would, was not their fault. But I just can imagine kind of like a family blame, family guilt kind of situation might pop up. That makes sense. When you said, like, embarrassment, I thought you meant, like... Like, at school. Like, people, like, recognizing them from their last name. But that makes sense that they would, like, no, just have like it to themselves. Internal. Right. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I was just saying they might not find out until someone said something to them at school. Which could you imagine? Was kind of my idea. I mean, if I was their mom, I wouldn't want to tell them. I'd be like, mm, I really messed up there. Yeah. Ugh. Well, we um hope that Colleen is living her best life with her little family and... um. Also, like we said, like the the kids that were involved in this situation, um, we hope that they're coping well with their traumas. Yeah. And I guess I will say, unlike Abby Lee Miller, who's like, you deserve nothing. I, I do hope that if Janice was just ill, that she got the help that she needs. So. But Cameron, who thinks he did nothing wrong, can rot. So. Exactly. <laughs> I agree. But if, like, if she does the work, I feel like... I feel like people deserve second chances if yeah. they put in the work. That's or all. I'm even saying. acknowledging that they did something wrong. Mm, you got to do both. <laughs> well, I know, but like that would be better than him just being like, mm, yeah. I did nothing wrong. I don't care. It would be better, yeah. But anyway, that was a really good story. Um, crazy story. Not a good story, but you know, like a very interesting story. We will link to both the documentary, the book, and the references that Jill used. You can still find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and those others. Make sure that you're following us on TikTok and Instagram. The handle is at Murder and Misery. And then if you haven't yet, try and find us on the Facebook group. Um, if you need help, I'm sure Jill can help you. Just don't message me because I don't have Facebook and I literally can't help you. <laughs> we will be back together for another episode with you guys next Thursday. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.